This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Primus. This is the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant. This week, we're speaking to Jim Pozel of Safety Wars. Jim Pozel has been in the industry for nearly 30 years. He's also a Safety FM uh, host, like I am. So part of the podcast broadcast family. So Jim and I talk a lot about uh, safety, talk about some of the things that are related to uh, New York and New Jersey specific, his time in some cleanup activities related to uh, anthrax and uh, a few other cases as being a hazardous material cleanup. And Jim actually is one of the, uh, I call him in the interview, a unicorn, if you will. And he's one of the only people uh, that have all four of the OSHA outreaches. So most people are aware of the construction, the general industry, and the maritime. But OSHA also has one for disaster recovery. And uh, so Jim actually has uh, that one. So we talk a little bit about that as well as... You know, some other things happening in the industry with COVID-19 and, you know, the hot topics that you get. So without any further ado, I am going to introduce Mr. Jim Pozel. And there will not be anything after this interview. So just go ahead and subscribe to Safety Consultant wherever you're listening to right now on the podcast. And then we will... See you again next week, right? That's what we do weekly. Every once in a while, I throw in another one uh, that is not in the week, but uh, we will definitely see you back. Go get them. My name's Jim Polzel. I've been doing health and safety for almost 30 years. A couple of months will be 30 years. I've uh, I'm a certified safety professional, certified hazardous material manager, among other things. And... I went to uh, undergrad work in uh, Stockton State College over in Pomona, New Jersey, now Stockton University, proudly. And I did my grad work in environmental policy studies over at the New Jersey Institute of Technology. So I uh, went into business for myself after being in uh, working for private consultants and a very large engineering firm in 2004, I started my first company from 2004, ran it till 2010. That's when I started JCP Technical Services. And recently I went to uh, uh, Safety FM, the Safety FM network, and I started Safety Wars, which is my podcast. We're available on most podcast platforms. I think almost all of them I can name. Definitely. All the ones I can name. Yeah, me too. <laughs> something comes up and I'm like, hmm, where did that come from? And I run a YouTube uh, channel, Jim Pozel's Safety Wars. And uh, that's uh, what I do. I pretty much came up through the environmental health and safety field doing environmental cleanups. My most famous one, I have two famous ones. One made 60 Minutes. That was the Grand Street Mercury cleanup in Hoboken, New Jersey. And uh, where uh, General Electric owned a building. Uh, 
back in the 1940s, this was, and there was a mercury issue. And then it, the cleanup was in the, started in the late 1990s. And my second most famous project uh, was 20 years ago this week, the anthrax cleanups for CBS and NBC. Wow. And that's the one now that, that came through the mail, right? Yes. Uh, which they technically, have, in my opinion, at least, they did not solve because no one ever got convicted. I mean, some people got accused and we'll, we'll, we'll all look up what happened there. But uh, technically was never, quote unquote, solved. So anyway. <laughs> Yeah, trying, to get, uh, trying to get people on to talk about that next week, but with all the NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, yeah, everything, we really can't go into details on anything without, um, you know, that's somebody giving us an issue. So, yeah. Well, how do you like the podcasting thing so far? Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's like the best talk therapy you could ever have, <laughs> especially with mine. Because I rant a lot. Yeah. I, I have to throttle the back because I can't be yelling and screaming all the time <laughs> into the microphone. You yes. overdrive the mic and then, you know, I my voice goes weird when I start yelling and screaming. So yeah. And it's not good for the heart. You know, you got to get to relax a little. It's not good for the heart. <laughs> if you're like the one man I know. You don't seem to have any nerve. Yeah, uh... You're nice and calm. <laughs> all, all my nerves say volume. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. <laughs> For me, everyone uh, thinks I'm yelling at him all the time. I said, no, I'm from New Jersey. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm actually from Queens. I was born and raised in Queens um, and went to Bayside High and everything like I told you before. But um, but truly, the only time people know I'm from New York is if I have to say water or quarter. <laughs> and then then it's it's blown, you know, then they now know you're thematic, right? Is that correct? I am. Tell them you're uh, tell them everyone's like you're nomad. You're a nomad. I am. And it is the best place to be for me. And I, I just like that. Um, uh, I decided that a while back, um, right around 2016, uh, my wife and I, my, my son graduated from uh, high school and my daughter already graduated. So we're like, all right, empty nest. <laughs> and we decided let's get an RV and go. <laughs> so. oh, God bless you. Well, I know with me, my biggest issue is I'm a little bit of a pack rat, especially if you're a safety guy, you're going to be a pack rat. But women, uh, yeah. safety women are not safety guys are. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, you know, get a little bit of both. Get a little bit of both. Yeah. What have you learned so far from this, from the whole experience of uh, of you know having what you're calling talk therapy and and the podcasting and and being able to interview and all that? Uh, what's what's the uh, the lessons that were learned? Yeah. What I learned was uh, a lot of people feel the same way we do, and I'll say we as a community. Right. Mm -hmm. So my most popular one of my most popular podcasts has been pushbacks that the pushback that safety professionals get and i use the uh, saul alinsky rules from radicals from the late 1970s to uh, talk about right the safety field i incorporate every one of those 13 rules into the safety field mm -hmm. and there are things like uh, no, this was a comment I got when I first presented it over. I'm also an assistant prof associate professor over at New Jersey City 
University over in Jersey City. So mm-hmm. I had to present. No, I'm running a, a eight hour hand swapper and we can end early. I have a good class, good group of people. And it's like 730, but you got to go seven hours and 30 minutes. You got to go to eight hours. That's my yeah. regular. So I said, was there anything anybody would like to hear? Any topics, anything? We'll open it up. And these are young professionals or seniors. And they said, well, we're having issues with helping with dealing with people. And I said, okay, well, let me try this out. And I go through the whole thing and I'm not sure what to call it. This is like the first time I'm, this is like an experiment, like a beta test. And someone, of course, from New Jersey says, Jim, this was, I've been here for five years. This is the most phenomenal thing I've heard in five years. This was the most useful Half hour and five. And I said, well, that's pretty sad. <laughs> she said, well, you got to do uh, what you have to call this is how to fuck with people's minds. Oh, yeah. I said, well, I, I don't think the title would work. <laughs> so, it could. Yeah. It could work. But basically, that's how it is. I'm finding out that it's very common and I'm getting feedback, especially on those two. These are a lot of the things we go into are what people have to deal with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. One, you have no credibility. Two, you're bullied. Three, you, they, uh, they screw with your pay. All right. So you're not production. Uh, you're a quote unquote non-production. All right. And I have air yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, person. So therefore, uh, we're not going to pay you a lot which is baloney, or uh, the biggest thing is, especially, and I ran into this in my early part of my career, we're not going to send you to continuing ed. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so you're left, remember, and, and things are different 30 years ago than today. We have this thing called the internet. You may have heard of it. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, a little. <laughs> so, uh, you can look things up on the internet. It used to not be that way. You would get if you were lucky, you got uh, 29 CFR 1926 in book form, yeah. if you were lucky. Yeah. And uh, one of, and I won't mention the competitor, one of my competitors now, uh, he still sends people out in the field with a pencil and a logbook, and that's it. And no, but you're paying $40 an hour and you get what you pay for, right? Wow. That's so, it? Just a pencil and a logbook to do their audits, I would imagine? To do everything. So it's, mm. you know, uh, it's sad. And what oh, happens yeah. is they withhold information. That's one of the things that you, way you bully people is withhold information. And, you know, uh, I ran into this with a client recently also where, uh, Jim, we wrote this great plan. Can you please review it? I review the plan and basically I said, look, I'm just judging what you gave me. I can't. I don't have any of the original analytical. I wasn't part of any of the original discussions mm-hmm. the last two years on this project, uh, any of the negotiations. I'm just writing on the plan, right? Uh, what you have and commenting on the plan. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you get a phone call a week and a half later from the prime contractor. How come you left this out? How come you left this out? Blah, 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 blah. Hey, you, I'm just judging the plan and here's the emails that I have. No, oh, wow. Okay, well, we can add that in there. And I'm, and then you look and you're like, hmm, why the hell did they leave that out? I mean, this would have been no impact on this plan, but it had to be in the plan, right? Yeah. No impact on the work. So 
Yes. And, uh, they probably forgot or someone who was in a hurry or they grabbed yeah. it from someone else and didn't check to see if it was complete. You know, right. one of those things. And uh, no, we're finding that out on, we, no, the higher I get in on my career, right? Since I've been a CSP for the last couple of years, the more common that becomes. I always knew that it happened, but you couldn't really say one way or another. But now, especially in this region of the area, metro of the U.S., Metro U.S. area, Metro, I'm sorry, NY's New York City area. Uh, all these jobs have to be looked at by a CSP, CIH, or someone like that. Yeah. No, it's not like back in the old days you know, on big projects and they just, okay, we'll sign off on it. Yeah. And that's not even the way it is. Everything gets reviewed uh, right now in, uh, with New York City work, uh, other than the Department of Buildings, which is its own story. Oh, man. DOD, Department of Buildings, they're just the criteria for everything is so stringent that uh, truly I've written some courses for people who wanted to get on their approved list uh, to to be providers for training and to looking at the list of things they needed to accomplish to write their courses. I'm like, what is New York trying to do? And there's no way to give you the time frame, uh, the uh, DOB, the, the time frame for an hour, but yet the content is like four hours worth of content and they're trying to say you got to get it in an hour <laughs> hey we've all been there we've all been there with clients saying look you have to do um uh this training whether it's love-born pathogen first aid cpr i don't know if you're a first aid cpr trainer i am uh yeah. but uh, and all this stuff we have five hours or four hours to do this and it's crunch time you get it in but and everything, and, but mm-hmm. uh, if you're dealing with one or two people, you can probably get it in, no problem. But you're, yeah. you're dealing with 20 people in a class. Guess what? Or 10 people, two yeah, trainers, happening. It ain't gonna happen. So uh, my yeah. biggest, no, what I laugh about in all of this, uh, and I, I'm, uh, it sounds like OSHA is calling me up or somebody because this is a train. All the trainers get the same question. Yeah, I have 10 people. I need you to do 30 hour outreach training. Four. It's usually construction, even though I got all four mm-hmm. credentials for outreach. And it says, how long is that going to take? Yeah. <laughs> Every time. <doesn't> it? <laughs> 30 hours <laughs> or yeah. seven and a half hour days. That's the best we could do. And they are yeah. seven and a half hour days. They're not four hour or three hour. They're seven and a half hour days. Well, can you, uh, I know somebody who could do it in one day. I said, well, you know, you're committing multiple felonies by doing that. (laughs) You know, you can't do it. Not allowed. Ain't going to happen. Yeah. And they, you get those calls and you're wondering who are these people that are just after the, the risk and and the effort and everything you take to get your authorized, uh, your OSHA authorized outreach trainer uh, designation of, or just being uh, authorized then in those cases, you can lose it like that and you're gone for good. Why would you do that? And you're going to jail. This is New York and New Jersey. They prosecute this. It's yeah. like with confident persons, right? I'm not, an, by the way, I'm not an attorney. I don't know if you're an attorney. I'm not an attorney. I'm just an experienced guy, yep. all right? Uh, so over here in New York, uh, on all of my projects, we have to we designate a confident person, mm-hmm. whoever that is for the trade. Who's your confident person? And we have a checklist of all the things you could be competent persons at. So, you know, excavation, uh, confined space entry, right? Uh, overall, uh, 
right uh yeah confident person the whole thing because mm-hmm. if, if there's a major accident probably one of the first 10 questions they're gonna ask is who's the competent person oh yeah that's that's right. like uh that's one of the that's question one usually right, right. yeah somewhere no usually it's no oh, hi i'm from the government i'm here to help number one yeah. Number two, what happened? Number three, where's your OSHA 300 log? And number four, who's the competent person? And that's pretty much, you know, then if you don't have one designated, that's clearly designated. I'm not saying that's necessarily in writing, but you have to have one clearly designated, you're gonna have a problem. Well, in New York, if you're the competent person and if something happens and you didn't do your job, you got a personal problem. Well, yes. uh, you got somebody hurt or killed or you, created some kind of major damage. You personally have an issue here in New York because they're more likely to get prosecuted for that in New York than anywhere else. That's my um, based on, uh, no, my, you know, my experience. So, uh, I don't what know. What does that, that mean though on, uh, on the consulting side, uh, does good. that mean that you have to get extra insurance? Like you go for the, the $2 million policy versus the $1 million policy, or are you always planning that in some way you could have litigation from every client you go? So what does that mean for, for someone who's in the, in that area? What it means is there's a lot of text messages and a lot of emails and a lot of photos. In some (laughs) cases there's videos or audio recordings and just, you got to communicate. Yeah, absolutely have to communicate. Uh, You know, when you're trying, again, you got to work with people. You don't want to be hostile towards people. I always, I believe it or not, I I, know, even though it's safety wars, right? Mm -hmm. I try to be uh, cordial. I try to communicate, to cooperate, to work with people and everything else. Especially out on the jobs, you're not going to get anywhere. I was a screamer and yeller for years. We're both from, you know, I'm from northern New Jersey and from New York City. <laughs> Screamer and yell. That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> that's a, that's Antagonizers. A, uh, yeah. the, uh, when it all comes down to it, who's paying your paycheck? And how are you going to protect that person pay, No, with the paycheck? And, of course, uh, I you know, you get the best insurance policy you can afford. That is always my uh, thing. And... No, your insurance agent, like uh, I did an interview with Don Becker, uh, my insurance agent, a couple of weeks ago. You might have heard it on uh, specifically uh, homeowners associations. That's one of her uh, main focuses of her business is homeowners associations. And we have every year we have frank conversations every January, usually when nothing's going on. We have a frank conversation, either me or someone on her staff. Mm-hmm. What kind of liabilities do you have? What kind of work do you have coming up? Do you have enough insurance? Yeah. And I think if you don't have a close uh, friendship or something, even on the business level, uh, with your insurance agent, you really, you know, you're going to have a problem. And the other yeah. thing is this. You got to make uh, anytime I'm dealing with a major accident, unless I get pulled in on an accident investigation of some sort. But let's say it's a site that I'm my company is managing mm-hmm. and there's a major accident. Guess what? That's phone. She I manage that accident. Next phone call is my insurance agent. Make a first report. Uh, because if you don't make that first report. You're going to you're going to have an issue. And this is what I stress to the workers. If you are injured, the minute that you find out that you're injured, make that report every time. 
because again, we're again, I specialize in OSHA, not workman's comp, but workman's comp, the longer you wait, the less, the more likely you're going to get not approved for a work, workman's comp uh, situation. Yeah, that's too many variables. Once you go out 36 hours afterwards, you're running, you're running, uh, you're, you're, you may have a problem. Yeah, there's just too many variables for them to to look for. This event specifically is what we could have as a claim uh, versus anything else, because truly they'll never know. Because if it's so many days, how do we know it's this impact from this day at this time? <laughs> so. so for example, I'll share a story we had and I'm filled with millions of stories here, as everybody knows. We have, if you're not, you can know you can go to safetywords.com and you know look up my uh, podcast. That's right. Well, we had a guy uh, who was injured on a job, had a knee injury. So we put together an accident management program for that client that said, look, we go and get all oh, we investigate all accidents, all incidents. Number one. Number two, we document them all. And number three, we got a medical evaluation, even if it's for anything other than like a paper cut. And even a paper cut, I've had one project where someone got a paper cut and it turned into OSHA recordable because he needed, uh, after he didn't take care of it, uh, three weeks later, he has an infection. So uh, no, so uh, what did we do? We went out, we uh, got them all documented, got them all fixed up the best we could, but went through urgent care had someone managing it. He worked the rest of the year. Uh, This accident happened in, I believe in September, worked till winter layoff in January, Mm -hmm. winter layoff. He took no, no problem. He was working a hundred hour weeks. No, no issues. Came back uh, March when the work started up again, off winter layoff. And he had posted on social media. He went skiing. He went to the islands. He went here. <laughs> he went there. Then he ended up, you know where this is going, Sheldon. I, I see it already. <laughs> then he was bragging that he was talking to everybody at work. Oh, yeah, I was working for my brother-in-law at his carpet installation place. All right. And you know what the knee, the kneeler Oh yeah, there's up here. Well, stretch the carpet. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know what the damage that does to a knee. So he gets him to work around 20 minutes later. Says my knee's injured and from it's from the accident in September. Yeah. Filed the workers' comp, and there was a lawsuit that has since been uh, dismissed and everything else. If we did not cover our bases. Mm-hmm. Back in September, that very likely would have been, and he needed surgery and everything, that very likely would have been a, a workers' comp related thing. But because we had our x-rays, we had our MRIs, we had our medical our medical uh, uh, documentation, and it went nowhere. That's right. You stopped it before it could happen. Right. And uh, this is important documentation. Again, like we said, what do you do? You make sure You make sure you do your job. Make sure you get as much as you can in writing. If not, then, uh, you know, emails, text messages. And, you know, if it's really adversarial, uh, you know, you get a recording, a video recording. So one client of mine, that's all. Of, every time there's an incident, there's video recording. 100%. Yeah. And if you keep that going and you, you have a history of doing that, then now, especially if you have to admit, 
of whatever it is, um, the video footage in court, then you could see that you have a history of this and it's not you just picking on this one person at this one time, right. but this is what you do. <laughs> you take video. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, my main client, uh, we're not even allowed to really, unless it's an IDLH situation, immediately dangerous life and health situation, uh, the work has to be stopped right there. We're not even allowed to correct anything without a photograph. Wow. Nothing. Uh, because they ran into, again, you got to remember, too, I work for general contractors. Usually it's not their employees that are the issue. They got subcontractors. Well, guess what happened? Subcontractors, uh, the employees normally cannot sue the uh, em- uh, employer for uh, injuries. So that's some type of thing over the top. It's all taking take care of through your workers' comp system. And every, or every state is different. Hmm. Right. Wow. Not, every state is different, but they've yeah. gotten sued by a lot of people who got hurt on the work site. And then it goes back to the general contractor because they're not the employer yeah. or it goes back to the safety professional because we're not the employer. Same thing with wrongful firing. Right. And I know mm-hmm. uh, a lot of our competitors go out there. Well, I'm going to fire you from this job. I said, yeah, you, can fire <laughs> job. you can dismiss them from that job get you know but you can't fire them yeah especially when it comes from an injury and you're like hold on did you read 1904 (laughs) do do you know what you're setting this up for (laughs) yeah Uh, i had a question too i needed to ask you i don't want to break your your thought there but uh, you're one of these unicorns out there for osha training and i've only known you that have this uh, i've known people who have three but i don't know people that have four of the outreach training uh where you do where you could train in construction general industry maritime and hazard um the the hazardous waste cleanup so, disaster, disaster response the disaster maritime, response yeah three of them general industry and construction and you, it's a really e- easy story how that came about and you're gonna love it all right <laughs> Again, this is going on to one of you know. So I get out of uh, uh, I get out of uh, corporate America. I started my own company with the first one, and I'm out on job sites. Well, all that you have is 12 years, 13 years experience at that point, doing all this interesting work or high level work with health. And, well, and then you get somebody out there who, well, you're not qualified. We don't fear you're qualified. And, if you, and then you find out that they got two years experience and they're a carpenter's apprentice. All right. And that's the only experience that they might have had an outreach training course. Yeah. Right. Might have. Well, you're not. You're, I mean, blah, blah, blah. So this had gone on starting in two. So in 2005, I got the construction thing. I said, OK, well, now at least I'll get a little bit of respect because I'm an outreach trainer. Uh-uh. So I went into uh, did other work and then I came back to this facility in 2009 and I and I had to hear the same thing. Well, you're not qualified. I said, well, what's the easiest way I could get credentials? What's the easiest way? And it's, you know, at this point, I was just starting a family with my wife. I had just met my wife and we were going to get married. I don't have time to sit down and do all this crap. Yeah, I, I don't. And plus, uh. No, me, I don't have an academic safety background, right? I just have experience and what, whatever training I pick up. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I went to Rutgers, uh, uh, the Rutgers Office of Public Health Practice, which is the out- OSHA outreach 
uh, office, I, or I don't know what the correct designation is for uh, this area, Region 2. So I go there and I uh, <clears throat> so look at their programs. And I said, well, I see construction, safety and health outreach uh, uh, specialists, general industry technical specialists, and general industry uh, uh, safety and health uh, specialists. Right? I believe that's the thing. I said, well, what do I need to do for that? And I started just taking courses at Rutgers. Yeah. So I just started taking whatever um, I, I had a client. I had enough revenue at that time. I hired an assistant who's still with me, Bob. And we, hey, Bob, take over for me. I'm going to Rutgers for two days or three days. And I just built up slowly but surely all of these credentials. And I, uh, also before that, I got a, a credential from ACAC, American Council for Accreditation, they're called nowadays, uh, on, for handling biological stuff. And hmm. you keep on just building, building, building before you know it. Hell, you got all four outreach credentials. Because, I, I mean, one of the, at the end, is for, I believe disaster, one was the last one. You're pretty much, that's not as hard to get as the other ones. Problem is, is that nobody wants it. Yeah. So all my internal people have had it. Everybody who, if you go through my company, you're guaranteed to get an outreach uh, certificate, 30 hour. And uh, in uh, 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 construction, and you're guaranteed to get it 15 hour uh, disaster response. Uh, Excellent. Every time. So internally, it's good. Uh, I disaster response. No, I can't figure it out when it's actually uh, really, I don't know when they started it, but after September 11th, 20 years mm-hmm. ago, uh, and everything, I'm just kind of surprised that they don't push that. And they should. And and truly, when I was working actively with the wastewater field, one of my uh, our effluent water, the water leaving the facility, for those who aren't familiar, effluent is out, influent is in. So when the, the facility's effluent needed to get actually um, disinfected, we use gas chlorine. So we had it in the quantity that put us in a risk management plan. Right. So in dealing with the, the risk management plan and and then I had other water quality and sludge samples and all that stuff to do, I really started thinking um, I should be doing disaster management. And I went to TEEKS for this one, the T-E-E-X, the Texas uh, Engineering, the extension. Right. So I, I got my, my TEEKS training in this like 90 or 96 or something like right. one of the first years I started in the business, I decided to do this and I was Very so smart. glad I did it. Yeah. I really was glad I did it. Yeah. And no, well, the thing that bothers me to be no, I'm uh, so during the Gulf oil spill, for example, I trained my company trained uh, somewhere around 10 to 15% of the workforce for that in 2010. And, uh, now, uh, and there were legitimate trainings. I mean, I uh, up until recently, I had them in the corner, all of the videotapes. I videotaped every session. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, and now we have all these people going through 40-hour hazmopper training, uh, respiratory protection training, you name it, all these workers. And then COVID hits. Yeah. Well, guess what? All of that hazmopper and hazmat training almost applies directly to the COVID situation. And then you find out how many people were or were not listening during those training classes. I think it's a little bit of an an indictment 
of our industry. I have some one other thought here. It's an mm-hmm. indictment on our industry uh, of our that we're not the, at the forefront here. Right. What, what was the quality of training all these years? If yeah. we have to explain people the difference between a mask and a respirator. Yeah. I and, mean, it's an issue. Uh, so and everybody I, loved the PPE word then, too. Right. The whole country. <laughs> that's it. And no one knew what it was. Yeah. And uh, no, this is I'm actually after I get done with you, I'm doing a podcast tonight. And this is basically what it is. I'll give you a sneak preview here. I don't yes. know when you're this. I'll give you a sneak preview. All right. So. I had to go for my annual medical checkup. You know, I'm married and everything. And, you know, the wives are really big on annual checkups. Yes. So uh, I go into uh, my uh, doctor yesterday. Right? I get the blood work the day before. And I go to a very large medical practice. There is something like 500 doctors, right? It's a chain, right? Very good chain. And very good doctors, by the way. Let me say that up front. So I go in and I'm used to it. Okay, I'm fully vaccinated, but Okay. But even with all the breakthrough stuff going on and where if it's like a slim shady type of environment mm-hmm. or I'm going into like a medical place for sick people, no problem. I'll put on a mask. However, I don't put on a mask. I put on and I got a whole supply of them. The FFP2 uh, filtering face fees respirator, right? Well, the European model. Mm-hmm. I have the American model N95 and I have the KN95, but I prefer this one because it's the most comfortable. I feel like at the best deal out of all of the ones I have. So I t- I wear it and I go in. Okay, we're prepared. What's safety? As it Todd Conklin and everybody else on our networks. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the presence <laughs> of controls, not the or safeguards. Can't say controls anymore because you'll get upset. But <laughs> safeguards. No, not the absence of incidents. So, no, we have vaccines. We have medical care. We have health insurance. We have um, fa- uh, face coverings. We have, you know, we're doing the temperature screening. We're doing all this. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I go in and I have an FF, this respirator on it. It's a respirator. And, oh, hello, uh, Jim. How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. They know me. Okay. Uh, we got to take your temperature. Okay, great. Okay, have you had any COVID? So, yeah, I'm I'm good. I haven't been sick. Blah blah blah. Okay, great. Can you please put this on? They put on one of these imitation surgical masks. Oh uh, yeah. You get for like uh, maybe a quarter a piece. Can you put that on? I said, let me get this straight. You're putting. You're asking. I have a rated respirator on. No valve. <laughs> Yeah, because they don't like the valves. Don't like the valves. Okay, because uh, okay, viral shit. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And and you want me to put this on, and I'm getting less protection, even with yeah. a little amount of protection you get from the mask, computer. I said, do you think that that's a good? Uh, and I'm not being hostile. This is a, a, an elderly lady doing this, like a greeter at Walmart. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna yell at her, right? I'm like. You think that that sounds right to you? And she says, well, then you can put it on over the top of that. So, you know, it's like, come on. I had this discussion with them last year yeah. uh, with, before I had the podcast. I said, you're telling somebody with my experience and everything, and you're acting like I'm an idiot on rest because your doctor said something. So something occurred to me while I'm thinking about it. I said, no, I, I got to be able to do this. Right, because we're no, uh, because we've shied away from COVID commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have at least because of the controversy of it. But I said, at seven hundred thousand people dead, I got to say something at this point. Yeah. Right. Uh, so my point is this: 
right? Why aren't, I'll ask you, mm-hmm. all right, you have the same amount of experience I have, roughly, right? Same yeah. everything, right? When was, uh, you're watching CNN, Fox News, all the alphabet channels and everything else, all these <laughs> other things, I mean, all these channels, when did you see a certified industrial hygienist, a certified safety professional, or someone else like that on that network saying anything about respiratory protection because we've only had experience in 70 years in this. <laughs> well, it's really, 70. Have you? Well, it seems to me that the, the network circuits, what they're looking for is they're looking for uh, answers that are going to be quick and concise and th- something that they understand. So when they see like a suggestion from CDC, it makes it so easy for them to just grab okay. that suggestion. Why doesn't, the, why doesn't the CDC put somebody like me or you up there? Aha, that's the key. So now it's breaking into the circuit. How can you actually get, you know, certified industrial hygienists to show up on these things? Okay. You get one that's sure a story concisely. Let's let's go. <laughs> there you go. Even better. Uh, so they don't. They they're just going by by availability. And as soon as they could get the first person on that phone call, and generally it's going to be the epidemiologist or the local health because that's the person they know to call. They don't know to. Yeah, so I, oh. Case in point, I've been uh, doing this since the beginning with us through uh, NJCU and my private classes. Right, we couldn't have classes in person. But if we're yeah. going to talk about respirators, you better freaking talk about COVID-19 because that's what everybody is talking about. So yeah. in 15 minutes, you can explain everything. And, and on the comments I get from people of varying backgrounds, right? College student, work release people, uh, private company. Why can't they say this in 10 minutes or you just told us in 10 or 15 minutes? <laughs> yeah. We listened to this for a year and a half. All right. Now, here's the question. If you're sick, are you going to go to a safety professional or are you going to go to a doctor? You got to go to the doctor. <laughs> okay. So if you have an issue with respiratory protection, biological safety, why are you going to a doctor and not a safety professional? Yeah. Or why don't they get like get on the phone and start calling these manufacturers? That's I, I was thinking the same exact thing is like you're hearing you're hearing people that are only a little bit aware of respiratory protection, but they're they're aware because they're users as opposed to people who are instructors and people that that read the spec sheets and all those right. other things. So I go, so I go back you know, to what we talked about at the beginning. I did work on the anthrax cleanups. I can't really go into detail, but one of the things that came out of it was that the government is not prepared for any of this. This was my main thrust. That's what I learned. One one sentence. So I got involved in a lot of different things at high levels uh, in this country, political campaigns and everything. And I spoke to some politicians who are who are in charge when I ran for office myself in one ear and out the other or not prepared. All right. Uh, one of my mentors, all right, uh, Jeffrey Olcott, he passed away. He uh, spoke, was down at ground zero. He spoke hmm. to all of the people in charge down there. You're going to have a problem here because of respirators, respirators, blah, blah, blah. And I can name at least two other certified industrial hygienists who did that in one ear and out the other. Now, how many people have we had with respiratory issues with that? So there's a problem in our country with this. 
Now, I don't think my fam, uh, his family will mention me, met, mind me mentioning his name because they put it on the Internet every year uh, from September 11th. Right. Mm. I, I, I don't get what 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 the thing is in our in our country where we're not going to listen to where the government or individuals are not going to listen to the experts on here. And that's what part of the reason why we have the podcast. Yeah. Part of the reason why we have Safety FM is that we're let's face it, we're the most hated people out there. Why? Because they hire people who are not qualified to be safety officers as a transient position most of the time in construction, even in general industry. Okay, you sit in the office and I call them, and this offends people, the donuts and coffee people. Here's yeah. a donuts and donuts, and here's a pot of coffee. You sit in there. All right. I'm sorry about you sit in there and uh I know someone must be listening to us. And you sit in there and shut up. All right. Yeah. You sit in there and you whatever, do whatever. All right. And that's it. Why is that? No, we should be out there being the leaders of this. And that's what part of why I am doing the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit bombastic and it's a little bit controversial. It pisses a lot of people off. You should see some of the emails. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, and we have to be out there helping these people and being the leaders here. Yeah. We got to step up for this. And uh, that's w- what we have to do. I uh, did a presentation in January in front of federal contractors on leadership. They're like, was wow, that uh, leaders are, uh, are made, not born. Yes. Yep. Yep. That was my uh, thing. And I'm one of these days going to finalize it, but All right. uh, leaders are made, not born where well, you're, uh, there are people and I have children. I, I didn't realize this until I had children. Some of the kids are natural born leaders. For whatever reason, they got it. Mm-hmm. All right. You hope that your kids are, but you know, but most of the time they got to learn it. They learn it from you. They learn it from their teachers. I had no good leadership uh, examples anywhere in my life until much later in life. And then I started picking up leadership books. I started reading leadership leader. I said, holy shit, my uh, version of leadership where I tell you to do something and you do it ain't leadership. <laughs> Well, how do you get people to do what you want to do? And there is a system out there. But you have to realize that sometimes you're never going to be a leader towards people. It's going to be impossible. So you got to find that leader and influence that leader that they're following. So for uh, I use the example. We had this one trade. uh, This was in uh, uh, late 2000s when they really started to enforce the respirators, uh, not the respirator, the fall protection standard that was from 1998. They really started to enforce it late 2000s for a lot of trades. And the guy says, I'm not gonna, and it's like, and he explained to the guy, look, this is what you gotta do for, I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm not gonna listen to you. Screw you, I got enough years for retirement. You're not gonna influence that guy. What are you gonna do? All right. But these are the first people that when they fall, their family is going to yell at you. Well, how come you didn't stop them from working on safety? Yeah, absolutely. And it always comes back around. And if you don't confront and that's one of the things that um, I always tell new safety uh, people in safety and are wanting to get into the business. I said sometime in your life with safety and obviously more than sometimes you're going to have to confront and you're going to have to talk to people, how you confront and how you talk to people is the key (laughs) is, uh, you know, that's really, you you can't shake it. You have to confront that's your job, but But it's the the delivery. Well, on the other hand, 
right? People want think that they're going to develop a style. Well, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be firm. I'm going to, and yeah, that's great for corporate America. That's great. That's great for human resources. Mm-hmm. All right. Number one, number two, human resources are usually never back you up in my experience with that, with that approach. All right. So mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Well, why can't all well, the safety guys said this and it'll make up. This is why you have to have things recorded. This is why you have to have things that. Well, the safety guy did this, this, and this was screaming and yelling, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden it's turned back on you. You got to have it documented. But the other thing is this. I had the, uh, one of the best people I ever hired. She moved on since now. Uh, so they give me a list of references. And I knew the, one of the references on there that she uh, was giving me. You know, we were had all worked together. So I called her up. Her name was Kathy. I said, Kathy. Tell me something about this person. Can she tell? go up to somebody and tell someone to go to hell? Because that's what I'm looking for, somebody like that. That's and a great criteria. Oh. That's a great criteria for a test, yeah. for, for, um, for a, a question on the interview, uh, yeah. on the application. Can Are you, you willing tell to tell someone, someone to go, to, go to, hell? to hell? I love and that. And you know one. what she says? She says, I get these phone calls all the time. I never heard of anybody ask that. But the answer in her case is yes. I said, Okay, it's a good match for this company. Sold. The client that she was going with had people out there that were very rough and tumble. And she had to have the ability to stand up to these people and say, no, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. Or, no, we're working as a controlling, uh, on behalf of a controlling contractor, where you have to, now you can't really tell someone what to do. Now you got to finesse it. But you could ask a good question, like, is there a better way of doing this? Or yeah. hey, can you do X, Y, and Z? That would, or let's talk about this or whatever. But you have to be able to do it. What companies often want is someone who's going to be, again, getting back to the podcast. Do you want someone who is civil or do you want mm-hmm. someone who is servile? There's a big difference. Companies different. want servile safety people. That's what they want. The servile safety people sit in the corner and do nothing. Oh, well, I'm not doing that. Oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. That's what companies want, Sheldon, a lot of these. And I tell people, stay the hell away from them. I won't even take them as a client because yeah. I, they're too big of a headache, all right, and everything. I'm not saying being hostile, but, you know, hey, look, the, you know, uh, 1910, uh, 1926 says this, 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 and this. This is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Right? You got to go into it, just like with the first aid CPR requirements. You're on a construction site. You have to have, and this is letters of interpretation. This isn't in the regulation, the lots. Yeah. Hey, three to four minutes, a response, a medical response, available. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to respond, but it has to be available. And you're only allowed to do up to what your training is. All right. You go to the New Jersey and I'm not saying anything against emergency responders. I'm just saying what it is. And they have a list of what how fast the response times are that are published every month. I said, and based on your geographic region, it's the, the average response time is 25 minutes. All right. Yeah. None of them are less than nine, by the way. So you have to go with, and you have to have some first aid CPR training, but we're not going to yeah. do that. Well, you're in violation of the regulation. Yeah. I don't know what to yeah. do. Yeah, let's rectify this. How are we going to do this, right? <laughs> and usually what they do is they're not, and then you find out that they're even afraid to make that requirement 
for their people, even uh, uh, for employment. And none of their people, they can't compel or talk into taking first aid CPR training. So what do you think happens? They hire us to man the job. Now, when you're, uh, and that was like great, great um, information there, a whole bunch of good information there. Um, for you, since you have uh, you, you've gone through the consulting side and now you're uh, you have been hiring people. When did you make the first decision to say, all right, I, I, I can't scale just with me? When, when did you make that that decision? And was there a driver, something that pushed you that said, all right, we need help? Uh, when you're working 12 hours a day and when you had very menial jobs that have to get done, that it doesn't make any sense for you to do them. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I know somebody who was not in the safety business, a different industry. His business failed because he was out there doing all the accounting for the business. Uh. Oh, guess what? I have a bookkeeper. Her name's Tracy. Most wonderful person I ever hired. Why? I, because I was filing taxes in November every year. Right or in October, the six month extension. All right. When I got married, my wife said two things you're going to do. You're going to stop paying yourself as a a self employed. You're going to have to go through a payroll system. Otherwise, you we ain't getting married because their taxes are going to be a nightmare every year. I know my wife. You you have an idea what she does. She's very upfront. I I can tell you stories that are not safe for you. (laughs) Very upfront. So. What you're going to do is at a health center, best friends, an accountant, right? Or one of her best friends is an accountant. She has two best friends, right? And uh, so uh, I hired that. I had to get an accountant. You have, it's your job as a business owner is to lead the business. Even if you're a one person show, you got to lead the business. You got to get more work and you got to make sure the work gets done and you got to build. Accounting, you got to have a, the best accountant or bookkeeper you could get. And she handles everything. That was my first hire. Second mm-hmm. hire was my friend, Bob, all right, who was in another business and he wanted to start doing something different. So he's made a career in safety and he still works for me. Uh, and uh, just, you know, uh, again, I say menial jobs. He was a no, mm-hmm. safety person. You're going to have menial jobs. You take care of this. Oh, right? yeah. And. Then I take care of that. And then before you know, you line up more work than you have to hire more people to cover that. And it's more or less, I'm told I'm not an MBA. I'm told it's uh, <laughs> like in a lawyer, like a lawyer or a law firm uh, way most of these things are. Uh-huh. You have a credential person or a pick, yeah. a person in charge. Then you have three or four people you're supervising uh, with that. And uh, Are you 1099ing or are you going to be um, uh, W9ing? No, no, everything's or everyone's paid as a regular employee. They're a w, that's no. W2, excuse me. W2. So, uh, so nobody, uh, W9 is when you ask for the uh, EIN number. But, yeah, yeah. Right. But I don't know how I remember that, but I do. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the 1099 miscellaneous. Because no, 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 everybody's a regular employee. I don't want any issues. No, I don't know. I want everything clean. I don't. Uh, do anything, you know, you're very apt to make a mistake if you're a 1099. Very, very common to make a mistake and it's unintentional. Mm -hmm. So that's why everything is done as a W-2. All right. So, 
And, and the uh, other thing that I was thinking about is for, for, you know, truly getting your business started. A lot of people are, are looking and listening to this and thinking, Oh, I can't wait till I get to where he is and, and being able to do many things uh, with not only your agency, but then the clients and all that. So what do you think was, um, was maybe one good tip for success and one good tip that you, you learned from, from a, a knock and you said, all right, we're not doing that one anymore. <laughs> so you got a, a tip for, well, the for first one is what I just mentioned, get the best accountant you can uh, and everything. Make sure if you're not, not I'm a, I can do accounting, but I'm, that's not me. All right. You hire, that's the number one thing because it's like this, you make one mistake on your income tax. All right. Mm-hmm. And basically I might use a roundabout numbers. So please don't anybody go to court with <laughs> basically for every $10,000 you owe them in taxes, it's a little bit under $300 a month interest. And up to like $300 a month failure to pay penalty. So these charges end up costing you. Yeah. A forensic accountant runs about $400 to $800 an hour to straighten things out. So anytime that you cheat on your taxes or anything else, it's going to cost you more. So I consider it like an avoidance cost, a a, Hmm. transactional cost to have good people on that. All right. I'm not, I don't mean to scare anybody, but I want to be 100% up. Thank God. I know. And I've been telling them, you know, here I am, what, 140 episodes or somewhere around there. And they've heard it several times. (laughs) You got to do it right. (laughs) Got to do it right. Do, do everything ethically, do everything above boards. Someone pushes you around. You go, no, if you're not sure what to do, what's the ethical thing to do? And that's what we're going to do. Even if it costs you, because eventually that's going to cancel itself out. When do you know to cut bait? It is, I think, your second question. Yeah. When you come through a situation, how do you know to cut bait? Well, or, or maybe something that you, you felt that uh, this was a, a hard lesson to learn and you wanted to share it. A hard lesson to learn is this. Uh, you got to know who your friends are and who your enemies are. All right. It's more important sometimes to know who your enemies are than who your friends are. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got to be careful of. And I'll add one thing. I'll do a favor for anybody. If I can help you out, I'm going to help you out. But be very, very, very careful who you ask your favors of. Because like the old saying goes, I think it was in Poor Richard Zalmanat, Benjamin Franklin. Franklin, mm-hmm. once, once you do, you ask someone for a favor, they owe, they owe you. You'll never end up paying back for that favor So with some people. So wow. very care always. I, I'll help anybody out if I can help you out. I'm going to help you out. Don't mm-hmm. even you know. It's not about money. I'll try to help you out if I can. But got to be careful about pathological altruism where you're helping people out to your detriment. But I'll help you out if I can. But be very careful. I had a client get into a real bad situation because they kept on asking for favors from at a facility, and before you know it. How did it get twisted around? It got twisted around that uh, they can't do anything themselves. They're always asking for favors. And that eventually impacted their business in an extremely negative way to the point where they they don't exist anymore. So, uh, Hmm. you know, know, uh, so be careful with the favors. Yeah, yeah. 
right? That's However, when I ask hand. for a favor, I make sure it's a big one and I make sure it ain't going to come back to bite anybody. And I don't do anything that's going to get anybody else potentially in trouble. Yeah. We all have families. We all have situations. We all have things. I would never intentionally do something to hurt another person. Does it happen? Yeah. Because you're dealing with things all the time. Shit happens. And you yeah. apologize and you move on. You try to resolve it. But you got to never put anybody else at risk, really, uh, with the, in business. It does. It's bad karma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you're sowing a bad seed uh, if you do that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you try to sow good seeds, right? Like Excellent. Sow a good seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, you know, be positive as much as possible and everything. Nobody wants to be around a downer. And that's a part of our industry, too. We're very pessimistic. We're very cynical often. Yeah, because we're trained that way. We're always looking for gloom. <laughs> we're always looking for hazards. We're trained for that. I had uh, that situation the other day. Jim, I can't find anything wrong to take a picture of. I said, well, then you should thank God. I said, yeah. then take pictures and think good things that are happening. There and you got you the good things that are happening, which you should be doing all along anyway. Oh, I'm allowed to do that? Yeah, you're allowed to document good things happening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Tell everybody how to get to you. Well, uh, we're available at Safety Wars. Uh, you can throw that into any search engine and you come to our podcast. Uh, on YouTube, it's Jim Pozel's Safety Wars. P is in Peter, O is in Oscar, E is in Echo, S in Sierra, L is in Lima, Jim Kozel's Safety Wars. Believe it or not, it is tra- a registered trademark, by the way. By the way, I went to a recent uh, sci-fi convention, Emily, Emily Swallow from The Mandalorian was there. Ah. All right. And she sees the shirt, you know, I got the Safety Wars shirt on. She says, Safety Wars, tell me about it. And she says, and I said, I got a trademark. She said, I don't know how that happened, but you got a trademark. Good, because someone will steal it. So, yeah, it's all trademark. So, safetywords.com is the other one. It's like Star Wars. Safety. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, that's our uh, website. And, no, give me a call. You can drop me a line at jim at safetywords.com. And, no, we could talk. We could do whatever. We'll do business together. It'll be great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being part of the show, sharing some knowledge and stories. And uh, that is truly uh, one of the things that I love when when we get safety consultants, seasoned safety consultants to tell the people who are trying to get to where you are, what it's like, what it's really like. And you did that today. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, Sheldon. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast or broadcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within the past hour are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast or broadcast may be reproduced, stored within a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast or broadcast, Sheldon Primus.